Welcome to Uber and Out. I am your host, Uber Hansen, and this is episode number nine. During the season, I'm going to try to do things a little differently than, than maybe most or maybe I particularly want to. I'm not going to recap games in their entirety. I'm not going to preview games in their entirety. I'm going to try to pick a singular topic from said game, either the previous one or the upcoming one, and kind of break down what I think that means either for said game or, or for the future. So at least for week one, I'm going to use a topic that's kind of been discussed about a, a good amount. Um, I don't think it's been broken down all that much, but it's the idea that the Bills essentially had constant pressure on Matthew Stafford and were sacking, sacked him seven times without really blitzing at all. They, they blitzed one time, a single time, um, and they essentially pressured him at the same rate as last season, but sacked way more often. Um, just to throw some numbers out there, in 2021, the Bills had a pressure rate of 30.8%. So on 30.8% of opponent, opponent's dropbacks, um, they they were pressuring said quarterback. That was tops in the league. In week one, the Bills had a pressure rate of 30.6%. So a 0.2% drop, not a massive drop. In 2021, they had a sack rate of 7.3%, which is actually not too bad. Granted, there were some outlier games that kind of put pop that number up in week one the bills had a sack rate of 14.6 percent they literally doubled it now i will say it's week one it's you know you got to take that with a grain of salt you have to take um statistics in general with a grain of salt and when they're that small of a sample size how much meaning they have kind of remains to be seen but the difference is the bills essentially didn't blitz they didn't need to try to facilitate pressure or facilitate the ability to sack by sending an extra player and the one thing that kind of stood out to me about that when I think on this is the Bills may have found a recipe to kind of take what was, what is the best defense in the NFL and make it all that much better. So the reason I kind of imply that is the Bills play this incredible zone defense under McDermott and, and Bean in that entire era, the McBean era, the Bills have had one of, if not the best defense um, over that their tenure. Um, they're consistently good against the past. They're about average against the run, though fans have this idea that they're horrendous against the run. But against the pass, it's even more impressive what they've done. Um, a lot of people point to kind of outlier games. They point to the Chiefs in the playoffs and say, how can you think this defense is great? Or they point to the Buccaneers last season. How can this defense be great? The defense picks on you know lesser quarterbacks, et cetera, et cetera. My argument would, to that would be they're literally outliers. The Bills have shut down players like Patrick Mahomes. They had an incredible game against him in the regular season. They've shut down other quarterbacks, including Tom Brady during that tenure when he was with the Patriots. Um, just two bad games doesn't kind of facilitate a bad defense. Saying all of that, one thing that's constantly been missing from this team is the ability to sack quarterbacks, not necessarily pressure them, but sack them. And that's also been spoken about a lot. In bringing Von Miller in, that's something Von Miller echoed. He has simply said, you know, I was brought here to bring down the quarterbacks. He he's had a at his summit where he does, you know, works with other other edge rushers and defensive ends. He was talking to Greg Rousseau, AJ Panessa, and essentially said, you're paid to take the quarterback down, not just pressure them. The reason that this is so important for this Bills team is because of the fact that they primarily play zone defense in the back end. So if, in theory, they can only, they only need to send four, they don't need to send an extra blitzer, that just fills their zone even more. So they can put seven back in that zone instead of six, instead of five. And the fewer and fewer players that are back in that zone, the more vulnerable it is to 
high-level quarterbacks like a Patrick Mahomes, like a Justin Herbert or a Tom Brady. Further, the other way which you counter these zone defenses, and, and we saw this in the playoffs with Patrick Mahomes, the best weapon you have to kind of break a high-playing zone defense is to extend plays. If you can extend plays, whether it be through great offensive line play, all of the, the Buccaneers during the regular season, or mobility from your quarterback, a la Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, it, it that time, all it does is degrades the, the kind of structure of the zone. So players can pass through zones and they're going to move around. And the more movement you have and the more movement the quarterback has, the more issues you have with that zone defense. Speaking about it within basketball terms, per se, right? So in zone defense, the best way to break zone defense in basketball is to move the ball. You were taught to move the ball around the perimeter and wait until you kind of see a hole in the zone. Because at some point in time, someone's not going to move into the right spot. Someone's going to maybe get too tired to move in the right spot, things along those lines. The same applies to football, just at a much higher level. Instead of five players, you have 11 players kind of playing in, the, in this concept. When you're able to pressure quarterbacks and not only pressure them, but have the threat of sacking them on a consistent basis, it reduces the amount of time that that quarterback has to, to extend said play, and it gives more structural integrity to the zone. You go back and you look at the Rams game. So leading up to that game, one thing that people were pointing out is Cooper Cup is a mismatch. Cooper Cup is going to line up with Teron Johnson. Trey White's not there. They don't really have a guy that can guard Cooper Cup. Allen Robinson's going to line up on someone like Christian Benford, Kyrie Elam, or Dane Jackson, which in theory is a mismatch as well. Um, along with that, you have Matthew Stafford, who's a seasoned veteran quarterback, one of the better quarterbacks in the league. There is a mismatch in the secondary. The problem with that line of thinking is the Bills don't rely on those one-on-one -on -one matchups. The Bills kind of say, you have to beat our entire defense with one of your players in order to beat us. And, and that's been proven time and time again. The, the idea that the Bills could have Trey White back at some point in time, one of the best um, zone corners in the NFL, and they're playing at this level right now after week one, is incredibly scary for opposing quarterbacks. On top of that, you have this idea that Von Miller only played 50% of the snaps and still was all over Matthew Stafford the entire game. When it came to comes to a player like Cooper Cup. He can beat Teron Johnson, and Teron Johnson, in, in theory, at points might let him beat him just to pass him off into a different zone. If you go to Trey White and go to Micah Hyde, for instance, I would argue that they're the best corner safety combination in the NFL because of their ability to play in the zone together. Trey can guard right, right along the sideline. He can kind of go quarterbacks into saying, well, this wide receiver beat, beat uh, Trey White deep, when in reality, Trey's just trading him off to a Micah Hyde behind him, something along those lines. When you have that talent level, it, it just makes it so incredibly difficult for quarterbacks to consistently move the ball down the field, and it creates mistakes from the quarterbacks. You look at Matthew Stafford in week one. He threw three interceptions. Now, one of them was a tip ball by Boogie Basham at the line. That one kind of we can take out of you know consideration here. The other one was Dane Jackson, who was sitting in his zone eyeing Matthew Stafford. It looked like Stafford had a receiver open. In reality, he Dane Jackson was just passing him into a different zone and then had free reign to do what he needed. That's how he intercepted the ball. You look at Jordan Poyer. It was off a tip ball, but again, the zone caused the confusion on Matthew Stafford. It's different than a man defense. If, if you have Jalen Ramsey lined up one-on-one -on -one with Stephon Diggs, if Stephon Diggs beats Jalen Ramsey, it's over. 
Josh Allen knows I can hit him with a 53-yard bomb while running 13 miles an hour. I'm not really worried about anything else. When you're playing zone, there's always a question of, did he actually beat the corner, or is the corner just passing him into the next zone? Now, quarterbacks are much better at reading this than I am probably at describing it, but nonetheless, the Bills have proven now for over half a decade under this regime that they play this at an incredibly high level. What they've been lacking is that pressure, and that's how teams have beat them in the past, is that extension of plays allows a player like Tyreek Hill to run all over the back end of the field, causing confusion in the back end of that zone. Mahomes, with his movement, then finds Tyreek Hill down the field. As the season progresses, the one thing I'm going to be looking at is that sack percentage as as well as that pressure percentage. If the Bills can keep that up, say the sack percentage up around 10%, and their pressure rate up around 30, 30% or so. So maybe even a drop in the pressure percent from last year, but an increase in the sack percent. This defense could arguably be the best defense that the Bills have seen in the McBean, McBean era. You couple that with the concept that the Bills probably had the best offense of that era. Maybe, in it's possible, the best offense in Bills history you kind of are creating a juggernaut here. Um, And I think a lot of this credit is due to a player like Von Miller coming in and creating this pressure. Um, Jordan Phillips creating extra pressure. Ed Oliver ascending, creating more pressure. Greg Rousseau coming into his own, creating even more pressure. AJ Epinesa finally comfortable in his position at his weight um, in this, uh, this, this group and in this rotation. You know, all of these players combine to create pressure and the idea that Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano and Teron Johnson and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer and Christian Benford and Kyir Elam and Trey White may never need to rush the passer just makes this defense all the more dangerous. So as we lead into this Titans game here, a Titans team that simply is not as good um, throwing the ball as that Rams team was, they are <laughs> in theory much better at running the ball. Look out for a player like Von Miller to make a play in the backfield and keep an eye on how often the Bills send an extra blitzer. So that's all for me this week. I will be posting another episode next week and every week of the regular season. But as always, go Bills, Uber and out.